0: Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Valley Church of the Nazarene. We are located at 228 Madison Avenue in Monte Vista, Colorado. I am Pastor Chris Yocum, and I am so glad you have tuned in to listen to this message. I would also love to invite you to join us on Sunday morning for our small group discipleship classes starting at 9 a.m. for all ages, and our worship service starting at 1015 a.m. We have many other activities and Bible studies throughout the week. Please visit our website at valleynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information. Our prayer is that you encounter the God of the Bible and come to know the joy of salvation through Jesus Christ, that you be equipped to engage the world for Christ. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you. This week's podcast begins our study of the book of Daniel with a message entitled Living in Babylon, Land of Confusion from Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. I hope you enjoy this study and pray that you gain a new perspective on God's sovereign working in our world. Thanks for listening. you to stand this morning and turn with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 1, Daniel chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 and 2, what a blessing we have in, in having God's word. We affirm the truth of God's Word, inspiration, inerrancy and infallibility, authority. We do well to pay attention. Hear the Word of the Lord this morning, Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Let's pray. Father, again, we ask your anointing on the preaching of your word and on the hearing of your word. I pray we'd make room in our hearts for your word. Bless us, I pray. Give us ears to hear, give us minds and hearts that are open receptive bless us we pray in Jesus name amen you may be seated as we come to this new year as i've said as we get i believe it's going to be a one for the record books but as we draw near to the the end we know that things are going to happen and as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ. And it's so important for us to look at Daniel and other prophetic books. I believe one of the most important and valuable aspects of them is to give us pers- perspective. And we do need perspective. That is one of the most important things we need to have in troubled times as, as history rolls rolls on. and we need to have perspective, and I think that Daniel and some of the other prophetic books, Revelation, they give us great perspective, and so we do well to, to pay attention to them. It's easy to get mired down in the weeds. There's a lot of Daniel that is intentionally ambiguous, and it's hard sometimes if we try to try to make the, the things that are, are, are intentionally hidden, we try to make those... Uh, too clear, I think we, we kind of uh, lose focus, but there's so much that is so very clear, and we don't want to miss that, and so we're going to be focusing on these things and trying to, to gain a, a perspective on our time by looking at this time that, that Daniel talks about. And Daniel, of course, is prophetic and, and covers a vast amount of time, even to the, to the end. But I've entitled this message, Living in Babylon, Land of Confusion, and I really think that if there's a word that marks our time in which we live, it really is confusion. I heard the story about a do-it-yourself catalog firm. They received the, the following letter from one of its customers. It said, I built a birdhouse according to your stupid plans. And not only is it much too big, it keeps blowing out of the tree. Signed Unhappy. The firm replied, Dear Unhappy, we're sorry about the mix up. We accidentally sent you a sailboat blueprint. If you think you are unhappy, you should read the letter from the guy who came in last in the yacht club regatta. That's comical, but do you ever think sometimes, you know, what we, the result, what we end up with? is based on the the blueprint that we use, right? And so much of the reason that we're in the the mess that we're in is because we're using the wrong blueprint to try to build our lives and our nation and our world upon. There was a a university student who was seen with a large K printed on his T-shirt. When Someone asked him what the K stood for, he said, confused. But the questioner replied, you don't spell confused with a K. The student answered, you don't know how confused I am. That's comical as well, but folks, let me tell you, that really highlights the problem. Oftentimes we don't even know how confused we are. When we find ourselves in a state where nothing seems to make sense and not even words mean the same thing. The foundations are shifting. Things we thought we knew, everything seems to be up in the air. And so, in our culture today, I think confused is a good word. And here in Daniel, we have this story of of, uh, the exile in Babylon, and Babylon means... Babel means confused, so literally God sent them into the land of confusion. Kind of as a history of this, let's turn to Genesis chapter 11. We know that throughout Scripture um, Babylon, Babel, Babylonia is uh, figurative and it's often used to to figure and give us insight into certain things, so if we look at the, the original story of Babel here. Genesis chapter 11, story verse 1, now the whole world had one language and a common speech as men moved eastward. And in, the, in, the, in God's Word, the idea of moving eastward seems to always mean kind of moving away from God. They found a plain in Shinar and settled there. Incidentally, if you look at a map, you know, you've got where the ark had landed up in the mountains, And then when they came down from the mountains, they found this plain in Shinar, which really was, again, the area of the Garden of Eden. So it's as if they had come back to where God had originally started them there, and He had told Adam and Eve to spread out from there. They ended up back in this plain. Verse 3, they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth." So as we see in this particular account, we we pick up some very important pieces to understand what's going on here. First, it says that they made bricks rather than using stone. And throughout Scripture, that, that carries the idea of man's attempt to build without God and to worship what their hands had, have made. And so it even prefigures idolatry which idolatry we know oftentimes was make the making of idols and to where that they would instead of worshiping worshiping the invisible God they would make they would worship something their hands had made. And so here right from the very beginning they are trying to do something without God, something that their their hands have made. And it says that they were they wanted to make a city and a name for themselves. This talks about man's desire to worship self rather than God. Now we know, we know from the very beginning, humankind's were made in the image of God. And the purpose of that was that we are to glorify Him and lift up His name. We are to bring glory to God. We're not to make a name for ourselves, we're not supposed to worship ourselves and that that's what they're doing here. They said that they would not... Uh, so that they would not be scattered, they were going to build a city and a tower so that they would not be scattered over the face of the whole earth, which talks about man's disobedience of the Lord's command. In Genesis 1.28, 1, we, we read that God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. We also see in chapter 9 verse 1, after the flood. God reiterated this this command, then God blessed Noah and his sons, chapter 9, verse 1, then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. So God had commanded them to fill the earth and subdue it, but here you see man saying, no, we're going to come, we're going to settle here, we're going to build something for ourselves to make a name for ourselves so that we're not scattered over the whole earth. And so, Babel from that point has always been a way of of, um, a type, a symbol of man's attempt to build without God. But then it says that the Lord came down. So, God is aware of the affairs of humanity. It's not as if somehow God was up there and he didn't care what they were doing, God was not like, God was not absent because He wasn't there or not absent because He was some kind of great watchmaker who set it all in, into a place and then just sort of is aloof as to what's going on. No, God sees. He came down to intervene. The Lord came down. God is aware of the affairs of humanity. Very important for us to remember these things. If we somehow we think as a nation that we can just say, well, God, You're, you're out of here. We're going to do our own thing. It says. God come down and said, as one, if, as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this. In other words, unity for a godless purpose is evil. And we know in our day and time right now, so we hear so many people talking about unity, like if we could all come together, think about all the wonderful things that we could do if we could all just come together. Folks, let me tell you, God does not care about unity if we're not unified under Him and for His purpose. God will not honor that. And then He says that nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. And you think, well, boy, that's perfect because that's exactly what we want. This is the greatest desire of unregenerate humanity, unrestrained human potential and action. Isn't this what we want? If we could just cast off the restraints and humanity could recognize its potential, and we can do whatever we want to do." That's what they wanted to do. They said, let's come together, we're going to do this without God. And God comes down and says, listen, if they have come together like this, there will be nothing impossible for them, which from a human standpoint, you would think, well, that's exactly right. Boy, if God would just leave us alone, boy, think of all the good we could do. But from God's perspective, anything that is done without Him is not, it's not good, it's not good. The Lord, however, is sovereign over the affairs of man, and He and no other is truly God. So, in other words, God wants to be involved in the affairs of human, human human beings, and He wants to be God. And so, when God comes down to look at this, what they are doing, He says, this is not good. And you will remember that when we, we looked at Genesis chapter 1 a long time ago, you remember that it's, it's very plain that what is being spoken here is that God is sovereign and that He sets the standards, He sets the limits, he, he divides things and puts them into place. And so, if we do things without Him, again, God is the one that calls things good and evil. And so, God comes down and He confuses their language. Confusion is God's judgment on those who do not acknowledge and obey Him. Keep your place in um, Daniel, but... Let's look real quick over at Romans. Paul makes this point in Romans chapter 1. Probably one of the most hated passages of Scripture, Romans chapter 1. I just say this as, as a reminder so that we understand this is God's judgment. In verse 18, Paul writes, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desire of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts, even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do them, these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Folks, no matter how we as human beings go forward in our, the loftiness of our grandeur, of our thinking and our actions, if we leave God out, He will turn us over to ourselves. He will turn us over to confusion. Folks, what's going on in our nation right now with the debate over, over sexuality and gender and, and marriage, Lord, all of this is a… it is part of God's judgment. It is confusion. When we say we're not going to acknowledge God, He turns us over to confusion, to do what ought not to be done. And then eventually we face His judgment. And so here we see Babel, we understand that that it it is a symbol of man's ability, the, the very apex of man's ability. But if it's without God, God will not honor it. God will not honor it. God will bring a curse to it. But even here in this story, the amazing thing is in Genesis chapter twelve, verses one and three. The Lord said to Abram, "Leave your country, this is Genesis chapter twelve, your people, father's household, and go to the land. show you, you into a great nation, I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you." Isn't it amazing that Abram, when he's called to leave his country and the land of his, of his fathers, he's leaving Babylon. So, God's, the beginning of God's redemption, of course, God had already spoken about it, even in the Garden of Eden, comes out of Babylon, out of confusion, redemption. And folks, that should be our greatest prayer. In the midst of this, this culture in which we live, in this nation, in the midst of the confusion which we face in our nation, may God bring light, may God bring wisdom, may God bring His redemption. And so, I wanted just to, to take a look at Babel to kind of understand. So it's amazing as you, as you think about this story in Daniel, you have um, Abraham coming out of Babel. But now, as the children of Israel, as they have forsaken God, and He has come to them time and time again to ask them to, and tell them to repent, they continue in their idolatry. God delivers them once again over to confusion, over into Babel. But even in the midst, turn back to, to Daniel, even in the midst of this, what we see in Daniel is God's light shining in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of... The darkness, and so as we look at these first two first two verses in Daniel, we need to see this. We need to see a couple different things that are going to set the stage for what we're going to see in Daniel. And I'm writing the. I, I want us to look at Daniel because, again, what are we supposed to be doing? You know, we hope that God comes and transforms our nation and He returns us back to Him, but that may not happen. But if if Whether He does or not, we are called to be faithful, we are called to live in Babylon in the land of confusion and shine the light. And Daniel is a perfect example, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are a perfect example of what we need to do, how to live in Babylon. And so we see here, the exile in Babylon was God's judgment on His unrepentant people. The exile in Babylon was God's judgment on His unrepentant people. And I want you to think about how difficult it was for Judah, in this case, to see it that way. They weren't willing to admit that it was their sin that had caused this problem. They weren't willing to repent. They weren't willing to see that it was God who has done this. And they fought it every step of the way. I want us to see also that the Lord delivered His people over to Nebuchadnezzar. Turn with me to Jeremiah, the prophet. Jeremiah chapter 25. Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 1 through 11. I encourage you to read Jeremiah to to get background. There's so much background in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the prophet who is prophesying to the people before they go into exile, as they go into exile. Jeremiah chapter 25, starting with verse 1, the word, came, the word came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. So, Jeremiah the prophet said to all the people of Judah and to all those living in Jerusalem, for 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, until this very day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. And though the Lord has sent all His servants, the prophets, to you again and again, you have not listened or paid any attention. They said, turn now, each of you, from your evil ways and your evil practices, and you can stay in the land the Lord gave you and your and your fathers forever and ever. Do not follow other gods to serve and worship them. Do not provoke them to anger with what your hands have made. Then I will not harm you. But you did not listen to them, declares the Lord, and you have provoked me with what your hands have made, and you have brought harm to yourselves. Therefore, the Lord Almighty says this, because you have not listened to my words, I have summoned all the peoples of the north, and my servant, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and an everlasting ruin." I will banish from them the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, the sound of millstone and the light of the the lamp. This whole country will become a desolate wasteland, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. But when the 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and his nation, the land of the Babylonians for their guilt, declares the Lord, and will make it desolate forever. I will bring upon that land all the things I have spoken against it, all that are written in this book and prophesied by Jeremiah against all the nations. They themselves will be enslaved by many nations and great kings. I will repay them according to their deeds and the work of their hands. What an amazing word to... Isn't it amazing that What God says here, the Lord had warned them for 23 years. It's not as if God came and the first thing delivered them over to Babylon. No, He had warned them time and time again. Any nation, God is long-suffering, He speaks to them, brings them the truth, calls them to repentance before He brings His judgment. Because the people would not listen, the Lord brought, notice that, my servant Nebuchadnezzar, right. Who is it that raised up Nebuchadnezzar? God did. Who is it that gave all of the lands into Nebuchadnezzar's hands? God did. The time of exile was 70 years, and then the Lord would punish Nebuchadnezzar. Now, these are very key points for us to understand. God is the one who is sovereign over all of these events, and He's doing it for a purpose. It's not as if God is somehow asleep at the wheel. God does these things for His purpose. The Lord's sovereignty is one major theme in Daniel. You'll notice that as we go through Daniel, the sovereignty of God in all of these things. And that was such a difficult thing for the children of Israel. If you read through Jeremiah, time and time again, Jeremiah would come and bring the Word of the Lord, and the people would just disregard it because they're like, well, we don't like what the Lord's saying. We won't believe what He's saying, and yet God, time and time again, showed that He is the one sovereign over all these things. Any nation that does not see that if, if, there, if there is any greatness, it is because of God's mercy. And when God brings judgment, He is right to do so. So, the Lord's sovereignty is one major theme in Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar carried off articles from the temple of God to the house of his God. Now, this is a very important point. Nebuchadnezzar believed that his victory over Judah was a victory of his God over Judah's God, okay? And so basically, if, if the, the king of… if King Nebuchadnezzar, if he went and he was able to defeat various nations, he would go in and he would take from their articles, from their worship and bring it into his, the house of his God as a trophy as if to say, my God is the greatest, right? a matter of fact, Nebuchadnezzar's name has to do with Nebo, his God. And so, one of the most difficult things about what happened in Judah is the fact that this is, what, this is what the people would say. Well, the God of Nebuchadnezzar is greater than the God of Judah, right? Rather than the people saying, oh, God, the God of Judah has delivered the nation over to Nebuchadnezzar because of their sin. That was one of the very difficult things. When when God's name becomes a reproach because of the unfaithfulness of God's people, one of the worst things that happens is our God's name is disdained. And that's what happened here. And so Nebuchadnezzar had taken these articles to the house of his God as if to say, well, my God is greater. My God is greater than the God of Judah. Now, that's going to figure later in one of the stories with Belshazzar. God is going to clarify this. Another major theme in Daniel is the Lord's correcting this belief that there is only one true God. Babylon is the land of blissful confusion. For those who refuse to acknowledge and obey the true and living God. You like that term, blissful confusion, right? We've got, sometimes we're blissfully ignorant, right? Folks, let me tell you, that's what was going on. That's what what happens in our nation. We don't even realize that the, 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 the snare of our own wisdom is creating for us. We don't even realize that as we go our own way, God is delivering us over to our own thinking into ways that are going to destroy us. Babylon, it, it is a type, it is a way of looking at this blissful confusion of those who do not acknowledge God. We think that everything is great. Isn't it amazing how we begin to call that which is evil, good, that which is good, evil, and we, we, we glory in the things we should be ashamed of in this state. Babylon is always temporary. Hear me. Those who think that we can go our own way and that we're going to be fine and it'll just be this permanent solution, folks, it doesn't happen. Babylon is always temporary. God's wrath is always just around the corner, but hear this, Babylon is also the place of exile for the remnant where they can be refined and can shine a light in the darkness. While in Babylon, God's people await their redemption and permanent home. Folks, this is the perspective that we need in this nation. I don't know what this year holds, but folks, any nation that feels like it can turn its back on God and go its own way and live outside of His truth, any nation that feels like that that nation is going to be blessed... Is only deceiving itself. But we as believers, we are here. We have the great opportunity of saying, We believe in the God of heaven. We believe in the true and living God. We have the great, wonderful privilege of shining the light, of bearing witness to the truth to those around us, so that many might be saved, but also in preparing God's judgment to come. We shine the light. We we bear witness to the truth. Turn with me again to to Jeremiah chapter 29. This is the letter to the exiles that Jeremiah sent. And during this same time, there were constantly false prophets who were sending the people, giving them a message that they wanted to hear. God's not going to deliver you over to to Nebuchadnezzar. No, God's going to come and He's going to rescue you and constantly, Jeremiah was saying, no, God is going to deliver you over to Nebuchadnezzar. But this is the letter to the exiles. And of course, it contains one of everyone's favorite verse. Jeremiah 29, verse, starting with verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you, you encourage them to have. Folks, that is such a key point. As we go through troubled times, if we want to hear something false, guaranteed you will find somebody to tell you exactly what you want to hear. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile." What a word. So few people wanted to hear this. They didn't want to go into exile. And yet, God was saying, I'm going to send you into exile. But you understand it was for a purpose. They were going to go into exile, and they were going to be the wisdom of God in the the midst of darkness, the light of God in the midst of darkness. They were going to be the wisdom of God in in the midst of confusion. And you're going to see that throughout Daniel. Folks, that is the great privilege. When God comes and and we find, yes, His judgment as we turn our backs on Him and He brings confusion, yet those who remain faithful will shine. We will shine. We will be a light. That is the great, and wonderful promise. And we look forward to Christ coming again. We are not ultimately citizens of this world or of this nation. We have dual citizenships. We, our citizenship is in heaven. We await our King to come back. In many cases, we are in the same place that the exiles were. I remember when I was at uh, the seminary, they had a theology conference, and it was going to be the Old Testament guy against the New Testament guy. Are we in exile, or has the kingdom um, broken through and we're in the jubilee year? Folks, I think both are correct. I think they're both true. We have a great message. The kingdom of God has come. It has broken forth. Jesus Christ has come, we have a great message, and yet we live in a world that is wicked and dark. So we have a great message to share with all those around us. There is great hope. Even as our world falls apart, even as our world is so often in confusion and darkness, and even as the wrath of God and judgment of God are coming, and yet we have a great message of hope to deliver. This is not the end. We look forward to a better place. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. As we have gotten briefly into Daniel, Lord, we are so grateful for the perspective that we receive. Lord, as we go through this study, I pray that you'd help us, that we might be faithful like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that we might be faithful unto death. Lord, that we might shine the light, that we might follow you, even when everyone else is going a different direction. Father, we pray that you would help us to remain faithful. Lord, even as we seek the good of this nation, Father, help us. Help us not to be of the world, even as we are in it, so that we might be a shining light. Sanctify us embolden us, empower us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, now as we take this time of communion, Lord, this is so fitting. Lord, as you have given us this sacrament, so that we can partake, Lord, and we can celebrate what you have done, we can celebrate your presence with us, and we can anticipate your coming again. Father, we ask your blessing on these, these elements. Lord Jesus, be with us as we partake. I pray, Lord, this would not be some dead ritual, but I pray that it would be full of meaning. Lord, that we would not see this as simply as a small piece of bread and and grape juice, but we would see that this represents your, your blood and your body. And I pray that we would once again reaffirm the covenant that, Lord, you are our only hope. We are trusting you, and you are going to Bring us all the way to the end, and you are going to use us in this time. Bless us, we pray. We thank you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Ben, if you can come and the Nazarene Church, we practice open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of this church or even of the Nazarene denomination. We do ask that you are a believer. That's important because you are partaking that which represents the blood of Jesus and His body, and the reason that we partake is because He did this for our salvation, we want to come with great faith, we want to see, see in these elements that sacrifice and His sustaining work in our lives. But if you are not a believer this morning, communion is a great time to become a believer, to, to by faith uh, receive that and, and believe in the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has made. And I pray that if you were not a believer this morning, that the Holy Spirit would come and, and bring, you, bring light, shine His light upon you, that you might be saved. We ask that uh, form two lines, come and, and you'll, you'll be able to partake and then go back to your seats. Please hold on to the elements until everyone has received. We'll partake together. Please come and receive the elements this morning. While they were eating, Jesus took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat, this is my body Lord Jesus we thank you that you were willing to become flesh you through whom all things were made condescending be like one of us. You came to show us the way. You came as a sacrifice for us. You were the word become flesh. I pray that you would help us to honor you and to be sanctified by your word. It is in your righteousness alone that we hope, and we're thankful that you are bringing righteousness to us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's Kingdom. Jesus, we thank you for your blood shed for us. For the remission of sin. Thank you that your blood covers every stain. I pray, Lord God, that as we live in Babylon, Lord, we live in a world that is too often seeking to do its own thing, follow its own way. Lord, I pray that we would be people who say, no, we are going to do it God's way. Lord, we would hold out the word of truth, of life. Lord, help us to share with other people that the reason we're opposed to the things that we're opposed to is not because we hate anyone but because we know that the only blessed life is the life that is lived in obedience to you, trust and faith in every area of life. Help us to be a shining light. Dismiss us now with your peace. Help us to realize that we go out of this place, out into highways and byways of life, out into the mission field, out into Babylon. Help us to be faithful. Help us to stand firm for your glory. Help us we pray. Dismiss us now with your peace, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.